This is the Friday, January 5, 2024 version of the market analysis segment from Market to Market. An eye on the size of crops in South America and demand for product kept pressure on the trade. For the week, the nearby wheat contract lost 12 cents, while March corn lost 11 cents. There was a sell-off in the soy complex as widespread rain fell in Brazil. The March contract declined 42 cents, and March meal shed 16.60 per ton. March cotton shrank by 81 cents per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, February Class 3 milk futures fell 16 cents. The livestock market was higher. February cattle added 208. March feeders improved 105. And the February lean hog contract gained 202. In the currency markets, U.S. dollar index increased 100 ticks. February crude oil expanded to 50 per barrel. Comex gold lost 2040 per ounce. And the Goldman Sachs commodity index added more than a point to settle at 537.90. Joining us now is regular market analyst, Mark Gold. Happy New Year, Mark. Happy New Year. Nice to be here. I beat you to what you were going to tell me first. Sorry. I wanted to be ahead of you once. (laughs) I never am. This wheat market. When we look at the differences, it's always a different aspect. We look at lower Kansas City. We look the side to side in Chicago. Then there's Minneapolis. Which of those is, do you think, the biggest influence on the, the wheat market as a whole right now? Well, I think Chicago generally is, unless there's a major weather issue somewhere. We have seen, you know, Minneapolis go way and above either Chicago or Kansas City in one particular year. Uh, But in general, Chicago is really the main market. It's the main market because that's where the funds play the biggest game, and that's going to be the biggest market mover are generally going to be the funds. So any of those other markets, either Kansas City or Minneapolis, can certainly have their day in the light. Uh, But for the most part, it's going to most people tend to follow Chicago. And we look, though, let's talk about Kansas City for a minute and, and wheat country where winter wheat is growing and rain is falling. Domestically, the story is there's moisture in the plains. Is that the biggest weight on the market right now? Well, they've had some much better weather than they've had, but we keep getting these 10 and 15 cent rallies during the day. That And we had a pretty good close despite the poor close in the corn and the beans. So the wheat's kind of on its own thing here. Maybe the wheat is worried about this cold snap that's going to come down, and maybe there's not enough snow cover. So I'm guessing that's what it is. But the conditions on both Oklahoma and Kansas City wheat for the month improved dramatically, and I think that's certainly a result of the rain. But the big question is, who wants it? Well, certainly none of our typical export partners. I mean, the exports this morning were just terrible. Uh, The dollar is still too strong. So... You know, unless we see the dollar really take out 100 points, then I think we might see a little bit of pickup in business. But the Chinese aren't buying it. Egypt's not buying it. The Russians still have plenty of wheat. Ukraine is still doing a good job for them of getting whatever grain they have out. So, you know, like you said, who wants it? We really don't have a lot of people. There's a good domestic usage, but the export market's a dog. So traditionally, when there's no news or anything moving a market, it's going to fall lower. So if I'm somebody sitting there wanting to make a position, make a sale, what am I looking at here? Well, in the wheat market, I wouldn't be in a big rush. The wheat has certainly held up best this first week of the year. Um, 
And, you know, when you can't figure out, when we had all this moisture and some negative news in the wheat, and it opened, I don't know, seven or eight lower, and then came back and closed 10 or 12 higher, that's pretty impressive. And then following it up with another okay close today, uh, that's impressive in its own right. And I think what it is is the funds coming into the week were short about 80, 85,000 contracts of wheat. I think they've been pretty good buyers. There's been talk about rebalancing the funds after the first of the year. I don't see it doing it in corn right now, but I do see it in the wheat. So maybe that's why wheat's staying as strong as it is. So you're trying to tell me that uh, corn is weak right now. Well, I've been telling people in, in my newsletter that don't expect the corn to rally till we get the corn out of the farmer hands, the majority of the, the corn out of the farmer's hands into the commercial hands. If you look at the positions that the American farmer has, you look at the very, very small, short position the commercials have, it's telling you the American farmer is holding on to a lot of corn. And as I've said many, many times, the market, the corn market will not rally until the corn is out of the farmer hands. Once it's out of the farmer hands, now we got a chance to rally the market. And farmers always say, gee, how come the corn never rallies when we own the grain? It's because you own the grain. And, you know, nobody wants to sell a break in this kind of market. And if you're going to sell it and get it out of your hands, make sure you look at buying a call option sometime in the next couple of weeks. I don't want somebody coming back to me six months from now saying, oh, you told us to sell the corn to get out of it. I'm also telling you to buy the call option to keep the upside open. Because once it's out of your hands, then the market will run. What is the timeline that we need to see this selling happen to make something move? Well, you would think after the first of the year, for tax purposes, guys generally wait till after the first of the year. Now we're starting to see some small farmer sales, which is pushing the market down a little bit. The funds are short somewhere between 180 and 190,000 contracts of corn. When are they going to rebalance? I wouldn't. I would if I was one of the funds. I wouldn't rebalance till I saw at least 50 percent out of the farmer hands. But Mark, the, the, the cost of the, what's on the board right now is not profitable for me. Why should I sell if I'm just going to lose money? Well, if you want the market to go higher, then sell it. If you don't want it to go higher, just keep it in the bin and wait. But markets do things for, re, for realistic reasons. And once we can change ownership from the farmer to the commercial, now we have a chance for, me, for the market to rally. Okay, so there's that side of that story. What's the other story of the, the fundamental issue of South American weather and China will or will not buy? I mean, is that depend? the weather's not dependent on farmer selling, but China coming in to buy might be. Well, certainly we've seen the exports being a pretty good disappointment out here. They've come in at times and bought some. Uh, the weekly numbers have been a million, million two in that range. Part of that's China. A good part of that's been Mexico. It's a very valuable trading partner we can't lose. So, you know, is, is China going to buy more? I'm not so sure. They may, they may be done with that for the time being. And with the rains that we've seen in Brazil, the second Serafina crop is going to be a big crop. They've been ratcheting it down just a little bit by the experts, but not significantly. And I think these rains will certainly help it. And we're going to see a big corn crop out of Brazil. I heard from a viewer who has a relative or two in Brazil right now as we speak, yeah. saying they drove hundreds of miles yesterday in rain. Yeah. When the farmer is looking here in the United States to what's going on in South America and they see rain reports, what should they do with their corn specifically? Well, there's no carry in the market. Maybe you're 
a dime carry in the market, maybe 12 cents carry in the market. It certainly doesn't pay the cost of storage. I have no idea why farmers have been storing this through since harvest. Makes no sense to me from a financial standpoint. They should have been selling it months ago, and they should have been looking to buy some call options. Now, if they haven't done anything yet, you hate to tell a farmer to sell grain on a break where a contract lows. Do I want farmers selling on contract lows? No, but there is more downside risk in this market. Uh, I can just tell you this, if you need the money, you pay the banker or the loans, whatever you're gonna do, reown it with a call option because that'll be the time where the market will rally. And again, I just don't see the market rallying until the farmer does that. Is there any carryover to the soybean story then from corn? Carryover in terms of the carryouts coming out? Correct. You know, it's been the tightest of all of them. And certainly what gave the market a bit of a spook was this November and December weather in Brazil. 100, 105 degree heat, virtually no rain. And the market paid attention to that. But as the forecast started to change, the funds were long, about 80, 90,000 contracts of beans. They've started to get out of that. Now they're short. After today, probably 40, 45,000 contracts of soybeans. So we've seen the, the funds liquidate. Their long positions get short. They're still long about 45, 50,000 meal. I think once they're finally gonna blow out of the rest of the meal, then I think it's probably time to buy some soybeans. We had, I think, Tuesday, the lowest close in six months. Yeah. What's to say we can't have another one of those in the next few days? Nothing that I see. The rains are still there. Uh, the beans everywhere except Mato Grasso will be benefited by these rains. Mato Grasso, the big question there is, and they're the biggest soybean producing state, how much damage was irreversible? And we don't know that and we won't know that until harvest. But there is a significant amount of beans in Mato Grasso that aren't gonna make it with these rains. So now we play the guessing game. Is, are, is Brazil gonna produce a 158 crop or a 153 crop? Conab comes out next week, we'll get a better idea. Um, but the rest of Brazil, while Mato Grasso may be continuing to lose yield, I think the rest of Brazil was starting to, to ratchet it up a little bit. You won't see that in this month's estimates, but you'll start to see it next month. All right, take the three markets that we just talked about, three commodities, and let's put this question to it. Matt in Iowa wants to know, uh, what market movers should we be looking for in 2024? Is it any different than what you have said? Well, certainly the, the remaining weather in Brazil. Our, our spring weather and our summer weather is gonna be the biggest mover. I think you've gotta watch world problems out there. You've got the war in the Middle East, you've got the war between Russia and Ukraine. That doesn't seem to be letting up anytime soon. Are they gonna stop exports out of Ukraine? If exports out of Ukraine stop in corn and wheat, then we can jump this market. Uh, if they continue to export, uh, then they've got plenty of wheat, the Russians have got plenty of wheat, uh, the Ukrainians have got corn to sell, so that'll keep a damper on it. But I think we need to watch the dollar, we need to watch the weather, we need to watch these world consequences, and we need to watch what's gonna happen uh, with the politics here in our own country. Uh, you know, It is an election year, Mark. It is an it election seems year. to be. Let's no. move to livestock. Uh, yeah. We had live cattle, uh, and all three that we follow, higher this week. Start with live cattle, why? Well, I think partly because of the storms that have moved into the plains. The, Box beef has just fallen out of bed. It went from 193, 194 down to 177, 178. But the 
cash market stayed relatively strong. We were looking at 174, maybe even 175 in Iowa this week, which is a bit of a surprise. Uh, the futures of now that we've got the Fed futures up front, they're right in line with the cash market. Maybe the cash is a little high relative to the futures. But, uh, you know, you, you wonder how the futures are going to, and the cash market's going to stay so strong with the box beef backing off, but it hasn't been a good barometer of where prices are going to go. Why is box dropping? Are we not wanting hamburger? Well, I think we're seeing cheap poultry. We're seeing cheap pork out there, and the American consumer is looking to save some money, and I'm guessing that's what it is. But we had the same situation a month ago when box beef was at 194, so it's hard to know. Feeder-wise, uh, you mentioned the storm. Uh, I had a conversation with somebody in Oklahoma yesterday talking about, yes, there's cattle back in places where they weren't. There's feedlots starting to expand. Is there room for expansion? Is there capital to expand for some of these people? I would say so. The cattle guys have had some pretty good years out here. And I think if we've got to see what the January 1st numbers look like, what's, what's where. And, uh, but I think when it's all said and done, we could expand the cattle business out here. There's room for it, in my opinion. We need to keep the demand going. Um, it's tough being in the cattle market. You know, you look at these prices, 225 on feeders and 174 on, on fat cattle. Historically, these aren't cheap prices. So if we do start expanding, do you want to consider using some hedges, buy some puts to protect things that you're going to put in the feedlot and let the market do its thing? Um, I think it would be foolhardy to say that there wouldn't be some risk in the cattle market. And if demand keeps waning, uh, the market that looks good technically is the hog market. We had a good week in the hogs. Except for one day, yeah, pretty rough day. But why did that thing rebound and does it have legs to, to keep moving higher? We need to see something happen in China where we maybe pick up some demand there. Um, I don't know why we had the sharp down, the sharp up the next day. Uh, but suffice it to say from a technical standpoint, it looks a whole lot better this week than it's looked in quite some time. And maybe it's partly the demand that's picking up. We're starting to see that. So, you know, markets will find their own level. And I think hopefully hogs have seen their bottom and we can see a bounce in here now. Do we see the hogs benefiting from a demand domestically or a global demand for U.S. pork? I think domestically. You know, beef is high priced. As I've talked about, you know, the prices of steaks in Chicago when I go out to dinner, which is all too often. Uh, it's not uncommon to pay 65 to $68 for a 12-ounce, 16-ounce uh, prime steak. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money. Most people having a little trouble getting that kind of deal. Well, we are out of time, Mark. Thank you for the insight Thank to start you. us off here in 24. Stay there for a minute, though, okay? Will do. All right. So hold it on, and we're going to pause this analysis and continue our discussion about the markets in our Market Plus segment. You can find both the analysis and the plus on our website of markettomarket.org. Let us help beat the winter doldrums with some podcast offerings. Each week, we have three that are released, the Market Analysis, the Market Plus, and the MTOM Show. Search and follow in your preferred podcast player. Next week, we'll look at two large government reports with some big insight in a panel format. Thank you for watching. Have a great week.